in the series that God put in our heart to do at this time called We Can't Stay Here. We Can't Stay Here. So you've heard me say over the last couple of weeks um, that I don't believe in such a thing as just kind of uh, neutral is not natural to God. Just staying kind of stuck where you are and in the place of the same old, same old. That, that's not how God is always expanding and growing. The word talks about how we go from glory to glory. I don't believe that God calls you to something. He calls you to this great faith thing and he calls you into it and then you complete it and you're obedient and you, God does this miracle on your life. Then you don't like get a faith badge that says, I made it through faith school one time. Now I don't have to do it again. No, God is always calling us into the places with him that require us to use our our faith. God said, the scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God or to, to almost essentially walk with God, to be in success with God without faith. It's not, it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. And so we have to be in places of faith and growing and moving forward. Essentially, you could say it like this. You can't stay here. Where you are, you can't stay uh, where we are as a church, we can't stay here. There has to be more. And a lot of times people hear that thing. They think, oh, here comes more money talk or here comes more of the whatever. And God speaks to you about whatever area that he's calling you more into. But your personality shouldn't be, here comes God again asking for more. Your personality should be, here comes God again trusting in me enough to give me another opportunity to do more. Somebody say amen. We get to serve. The scripture says the greatest in the kingdom is those who what? Serve. Who get to roll up their sleeves and help people and love people and lead in ways of forgiveness and compassion and grace. We get to do those things because we can't stay here because God has more for us. God wants to take us beyond where we are because that's the best place to live. That's why Peter was like, oh God, if that's you out there on the water, tell me to come to you. Wait, wait, what a second. You're out on the water and the waves and it's dangerous. And we were all afraid. We thought you were a ghost. But what? But he, Peter knew, hey, if that's my God, if that's my Messiah, if that's Jesus, then it's better for me to not stay here. It's better for me to go there. No matter where that there is. How do missionaries end up in Africa and the thing and all this? And how do people go to the hardest parts of town and do inner city ministry and all this? How does that happen? It's because they had a faith and an understanding of we're not called to just stay here. Amen. And so this church for us, we believe it's easy to preach and tweet and do all these pictures of things that say God can do exceedingly abundantly above more than we could ever ask or think. Well, if you're going to walk in that with God, you have to get into a place where that doesn't exist You have to find a place where there is that more for your life. I can't stay here. I want God to do more and exceedingly abundantly and all this kind of stuff. But to be able to get to that, I can't stay over here. Amen. And so for as a church, for us, I thought about how many of the Bible stories, many of the things in scripture that turn into these great things, they all started with an inability to stay where they were. You think about Noah. There was, he had no choice but to get out of where he was, they was build the boat for a hundred years because he trusted God's voice and he knew there's a flood coming and God said it. And so I have no choice but to be able to get out of here and live in obedience. You think about Moses in the Red Sea and you think about David shows up and sees Goliath. And if I don't do something here, if I, I can't stay up here with the sheep, I got to get into a position with God that he can do a miracle through me and we can take out giants. Amen. But he couldn't stay there. 
I have to get into a position where I can do something for God. And so you think about Esther, you know, they were, her whole family is going to be taken out. And she says, listen, we can't just stay here. I'm going to prepare myself and I'm going to fast and I'm going to, uh, she did all these other different things. And she said, I'm going to get spiritually ready because I can't stay there. God's asking more of me. And then God met her where she was at. Amen. I pray about this church that we are a people like Esther, that we say, hey, we know we can't stay here, but before we go from here to here, let's prepare ourselves spiritually. Let's make sure we're pure. Let's make sure we're righteous. Let's make sure we're holy. Now that's, you know, people hear those words and they think uh, self-righteous and judgmental and we got to be all, no, no, clean hands, pure hands, loving hearts. Somebody say amen. So we can't stay here anymore. You're in this room because God is telling you, you can't stay here. Every person in this room right now, the fact that you're here is because God put you here and he wants you to know leaving here, you can't stay where you are. And, uh, and that's not on me. That's on God. But all of you in this room, you can't stay where you are. God has put you here because he wants you to hear that he has more for you this year. And a lot of times we, we bend that in church and we make that about a new car and a new home. No, God has more life to put inside of you. Real living. Somebody say amen. We can't stay here. God has more for us. So when I think about this church, I think about the beginning. To talk about where you're going. If we can't stay here, well, what's here? What are we going to? For me, let's look at two years of our last church, of this church. How did we get here? Uh, I said on our our Facebook thing, uh, I said that this sermon has been 1,100 and however many days uh, in the making. Well, why is that? Where'd we get that number? That number comes from when we resigned at our last church to come do this, to start this church. And so the, however many days that was up till now, God has been making us for this. Amen. We're so grateful for everything that he's done in the first two years and, and the little over two years or whatever it is. But, but God, his promises are new every day for our life. So we're always growing. We're always expanding. So we look back and we just know every day we're stepping into another miracle that God has laid out for us. So for us, it all started for us uh, on March the 9th, 2000. uh, I'm going to get my days. I think it's 13. Yeah. Is it 13? Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So that's what it's like being a church planner. Um, March the 9th, 2013, we said, hey, God, we're saying yes to this call to plan a church. We moved from Howell, Brighton area, and we moved back to Zealand. And for us, it was a 10-year, eight-year journey back home to, not a home of like streets that we're familiar with, but assignments. Like this was our assignment. This is what God created us to do is to be here. And, and, and so we were just obedient through this journey for, for all these years and all these other places that we went. But for us, it was God opening a door to what he created us for. Amen. And so it was like, okay, <laughs> excuse me, sorry. We moved back. And I think for me, the reason I can be this way is because if I ever get up here and talk about this as like, oh yeah, this is what we did, then like take me out, amen? Like this should always choke you up and me up and us up because we're trying to be a people of authenticity instead of like a religious institution. And so when our hearts are invested, you pray that that never grows cold, amen? All right, so that's not in the notes. So I haven't even gotten to my first picture, and this one's not even the emotional one. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Uh, so the first thing we did is we hooked up with this amazing church and these amazing people uh, called Church of the Highlands, and they run this organization called ARC. And all of their passion to do is to help people plant what they call life-giving churches. And you go down there and you get coached and you get trained and they say, you know, here's real data and here's how you do this. And, and they teach you on all like fundamentals of what's successful because they plant hundreds of churches a year. And they're successful all over the place. And so we said, all right. So we jumped in a minivan, Jess and I. And we had my daughter, uh, who I don't know, was maybe a year and a half or a year old at this time. And we took my mother-in-law. And so right away, this is how our church journey started um, with a 12-hour ride in a van with your mother-in-law and a year and a half-year-old. <laughs> so as you know what I'm trying to say, it was awesome. It was like no other way that I would rather have it. And so... We drove down to Alabama, Birmingham, and, uh, and so next slide, we sat under a great pastor for uh, four days uh, named Chris Hodges. You can't see him very well there, but hundreds of church planters come and they just learn what it looks like to plant a church. And so we got a great covering and a great strategy and great men and women of God in our life to, to oversee us and keep us healthy. And so next slide, uh, we came back. Okay, do, do you have the meter one with the van? Is that one in there? So anyway, we drove like all, all in a week, we drove like almost 2,500 miles. And I know you guys all drive a lot, but again, that's, that's 32 hours in a van with your wife and your one and a half year old. And of course your mother-in-law, which is, the, you know, the, the cherry on top. And, uh, and she's here. For those of you that don't know, this is mom over here and I'm just messing with her. That's, that's our love language is, uh, and so anyway. So we just round trip and we didn't know what it looks like. N none of this existed. We didn't know where we'd be, who would be a part of it. We didn't get none of this. We just knew God called us to start a church and the ways that he called us to do it, we needed to be obedient to. So next slide. And so we took this huge trip and those of you that don't know it, uh, this is actually our first church logo and uh, it never actually even made it to a service because we didn't like it. <laughs> and so we used it for like three months um, just to kind of get the word out there. And so this rolled out. And so then we found this place. Next slide. Uh, we started doing this thing called launch team meetings. And so we found this building, which we knew of from years ago. We actually, my youth group, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Grand Haven, we used to clean. When they first bought this building as an old hospital, uh, they asked the local youth ministries and stuff and other people to help come clean it. And uh, our teenagers came in here and we moved all the old medical stuff out, which they thought was great because there was no power on there. There was no power in the building. And so it was like dark and creepy in a hospital. And so like the youth were just signing up to be here. So, um, and so anyway, so what we did was in this room, none of this was here, none of this lighting you'll see here in a minute. And so we said, hey, what, let's have these meetings. They coach us to do these things called launch team meetings. And so we got people together that were dumb enough to help start a church, you know, like it was like, you just like, all right, what are, who's our dumbest friends? Let's call them, see what they're doing. And so that's how we got like Andy and like so people here. And so uh, Andy's like, wait a minute. Anyway, just kidding, obviously. And so these launch team meetings, who, who here wants to give to uh, their lives to, to planning a life-giving church. And all we could do at this time was get up here and say, yeah, I see a church someday where this, this, what we see right now. And, uh, and so those people bought into it at ground level. And, and so next slide. And so we started having these meetings and talking about what it looked like. And of course, we always had food. And of course, Jess uh, always made it look like Pinterest. And so <laughs> we had caramel apple bars. And so that's kind of how we trick people like, hey, let's talk about this meeting. We'll give you like a candle, caramel apple bar and like whatever. So we had these meetings, but literally we prayed for you. 
Like, I want you to know, like, literally, we were like, okay, this is going to be a section over here. And this, and God, fill those seats with da 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 And now da 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 is here. But we can't stay here. Amen? So next thing is... Uh, this is what it looked like. This is one of the launch teams. You can see none of our lighting. We weren't even sure how the room would lay out. I didn't bring that tree. Someone's like, why do you bring a tree? <laughs> but it was here. It was like an old TV. We were trying to work off and just cash the vision. And um, yeah, we were just going after God. We were just going after it. And what does it look like? And what, you know, and so we prayed and we saw it as a team. Next thing. And so this is what we, this is what we signed on to. This is where they got the good news is I was like, all right, we're doing it. We're going to sign a lease here. We're going to build the most amazing kids rooms upstairs and they're going to be just so full of love. And so this is what we got to step into. Everything upstairs on the second floor that you see now as kids space started as almost a 90 inch wide, uh, I forget whatever the depth is, exam room, just like this. So people volunteering on their own, because we didn't come from another church. We didn't come with, you know, like this big bank account that other churches bless. It was like whoever the launch team was that gave money into it. And then the ARC group that we talked about, they helped match whatever money we raised. We started blowing out walls and removing this stuff and, and making renovations. And we, you know, we, it was hard and it was dirty. And here's what's really crazy. Up on that second floor where your kid space is, you can't open the window. So the only way to take big, huge pieces of drywall and insulation and all that stuff is out the elevator. So we had to come down the second floor, out the elevator, out the building, do a dump, take it back in, go all the way up. And we renovated that whole side of that second floor, we renovated. So next slide. So this is it, what your kids are in now. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm not putting my kids back in there. It was an old, <laughs> I promise you, it's new walls, new paint on there. But this is what we stepped into. We had a team that said, I see this being what you see now. They use their faith enough to say, hey, we're not going to stay here. Let's sit kids space. And now it's overflowing. Kids all this, all because some people got crazy ripping out sinks and cabinets and saying, God can do this in here. We can't stay here. Next slide. Okay, next slide. <laughs> it takes a little bit for them back there. All right. So this... <laughs> This uh, is your elementary room upstairs, and uh, wherever we cut a header, those were all just little exam rooms. And so, of course, you can see it now. We took all the piping out, and it's a big open room. But literally, God did amazing things in the old hospital room here, and it's because, you know, we can't stay here. There's more. Where, wherever God has set it, we can see it because God will show us through it. Amen? So next thing here. So now your kids are in there, and here's some of the process here as we're, as we're renovating and as we're just adding on, and people are volunteering. We had a huge team of people here on Black Friday uh, of that year just giving their shopping day to, to build in this church. Next one. Uh, and you see it coming together a little bit more as the carpet came in, and we developed offices. And so God doing great stuff. Next one. This is my favorite part. Here's what's crazy is when we went down to Church of the Highlands, uh, which is the church planning thing, they said, hey, uh, one thing you got to do when you plan a church is you got to do a mailer. So in that first box over there in the corner, it says this piece of mail, that whole stack, that's 52,000 pieces of mail postcard there. And so I'm like, listen, I, I, I respect all that you're saying. Uh, I, I hear that you're saying we should do a mailer and you've seen success out of that, but they cost like $10,000 and there's nobody in West Michigan going out to the mailbox. Like, oh, I hope I get a piece of mail because I don't know where to find a church in the area. It's like, well, look at any corner. There's churches everywhere. You know, I'm not doing a mailer. I'm not going to waste that money. Like people aren't, you know, so they're so serious about this mailer that they wouldn't help, they wouldn't do the matching funds for our church until we showed them a mailer and a 
thing in place to be able to do the mailer. Here's what's crazy for me. So I just, you know, angrily said, fine, we'll do this mailer. <laughs> and then I got right about it and we prayed about it. But this room is filled with people right now whose name is on that mailer somewhere in that stack. Like, like, like we see over a hundred people, not everybody comes on the same Sunday, but over a hundred people found a life-giving church that they say, this is our home. They use language like this is home to us now because they got that piece of mail. Now, what did we do with that? We fasted about that mailer. We prayed about that mailer. We, we, we didn't just send out a mailer. We got behind it and we asked God to move in it. I believe if God can put a star above a stable, how I many you know he can make a light shine on a piece of mail, amen? And so, uh, so that's the mailer. We got it all put together and it ran through the things and we, we invited 52,000 homes to come to our church and we had never had a service before. So I was like, hey, come, it's going to be great. You should come. And uh, my mentors were telling me, now just keep in mind, there's a lot of pressure for your first service. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to that. But just know it's going to be the worst service you ever do as a church. <laughs> How does that help? What are you talking? I have 52,000. What are you talking about? And, uh, and it's just true because in the beginning, we were just, we're trying to get open. We're trying to get this thing started. So we spent a money, ton of money on the kids. And, and we got all that up and going. And then how many remember some of the old chairs we dealt with that we had in here? And we didn't have any of the lights or anything color. I don't even think we had a cage for the drums yet. And it looked bad in here, actually. Like the first Sunday, um, you came in here and none of the lights were here. So it looked like you walked into like some teenager's garage band because it was just this curtain and this band and no lights. And, and I was like, oh, that is not what we aim for. So we quickly bought lights and added on and stuff. But um, so the first one is the worst one. And now looking back at it, like, oh, well, yeah, you know, the first one, now we know we can do this and we have this and all these things that God's blessed us with to help us better minister. Imagine what we're going to see as a return next time we do a mailer as we get ready here to, and so God moves through mailers and God, uh, my mother-in-law is always praying this recently, that God just is going to handpick people that need to be here through that mailer. We had people, and, and, and they're in this room, they could tell you who they were, but like we've had people take that mailer and like set it up and like nine months later, like, yeah, I got this mailer a couple months ago. And I was like, you mean nine months ago? <laughs> but like, they've just held on to this mailer for whatever reason. And they came and they connected and, and, or months later, or we had even other people come to other people and say, hey, I got this mailer. I think you guys should know about this <laughs> and like tell other people to come here, but they didn't come here and like just weird stuff. And uh, it's because God just uses that stuff. He puts his hand on that stuff and, and he makes a huge thing with it. So, so we sent the mailer, we invited people next slide. And uh, we got all our merch out. And so that was so fun. We were so excited to have our own shirts. We're like, hey, we have shirts. This is great. I think we're legit. You know, like <laughs> we fit. So next one. Uh, so it was, and so this really isn't a good example of our first one, uh, but this was pretty early on. Uh, you can see it's even changed a lot then, but, um, God just kept filling the house. You know, we had a 273 people on our first Sunday. We had more people, uh, than what ARC even says your average is in the beginning, what you should get as a return. And so it just stayed full. God just kept growing us and sending people to us. Next slide. This was our first, uh, leadership ask. And so after we launched, we said, Hey, uh, we want to do this meeting and we want to get people connected to serving. And so who would like to get on the team and, and help us build this thing? And we filled a room. It was more people than we thought. I mean, that's all the way up to the doors. We had to do the chairs there because people jumped in on what God was doing, but we can't stay there. 
It'd be easy for me to be like, yeah, that was so great, and we're so happy, and let's just stay here. But there's more. We can't stay here. Amen? Next slide. Uh, this is Easter, our first Easter, which is so fun because we're like, hey, it's our first Easter. What are we going to do? And so we prayed about all the stuff we wanted to do for kids, and they had an egg hunt, and they released resurrection balloons, and they had all these fun things. And so, again, God filled the house. Next slide. Some of our kids' stuff coming up. They, they released these balloons as resurrection balloons, which we'll do again this year. And just to see, like, hey, our church, they're having fun. Like, there's kids' ministry happening. This is working. This is great. Next slide. Uh, we had live art. So if you weren't here, just a really cool painting up here uh, during worship. So just another way that we could express God through art and just all this different thing. And so for me, I see this stuff and I'm like, well, look at this, like people's gifts, like kids are being ministered to and people are doing worship art and we're singing and we're filling the house. Like God has a plan for this church in our city. Amen. But we don't stop here, right? We can't stay here. Next slide. This. Man, I was like twice I removed this from today because I was like, yeah, if I don't do it, I'll be fine. So I won't do this one. But this encompasses the heart of the church, a father and a son and a minister. Like whatever, minister me, okay? Uh, but like this is God happening. This is what we do. We have life-giving, authentic, heartfelt things happen together, not like on a religious platform and like this tradition. And I'm not here to like throw stones at tradition or anything like that. Like we hold to the value of the Bible, all that stuff we honor above anything else. But our heart has to be in all of it. It has to be real to us. Amen. And so our first baptism, we had to clear the whole stage we had to take everybody, uh, all of our stuff out. We couldn't do music. We had like somebody on the side doing a thing because like 30 some people got baptized in one day in our first baptism, full families, everybody coming together, but we can't stay here because there's more. Somebody say amen. Next slide. This is our, this is crazy. Again, we keep talking about finding dumb people. Um, <laughs> this is a room full of people who came to a meeting to hear about children's ministry because they wanted to serve little booger eaters. <laughs> it's full. It's full. And so joking aside, joking aside, like how amazing is that? That in a church of our newness, in a church of our size, and in the beginning, we say, hey, we, we want to share the vision with you about the future of our children's ministry and what we believe God is doing in our kids' lives. And then a whole bunch of people showed up and got on board, and we've been able to run and schedule people and meet everybody's needs. How It's amazing, but we can't stay here, amen? We have to do more. We have to follow God into what's next and what's more. Next slide. We added on to our healing center up a couple years in. About a year and a half in, we were able to get more space upstairs, and we have a counseling center, and we have a place where we can pray for people who are sick and who need healing. And so all kinds of stuff happens through that ministry. God added on to us. Next slide. This was part of our one-for-one one jar. If you missed this, this was so great. And this is totally the church walking the way that it should walk. Uh, we had one of the moms in our church uh, get a hold of me during the week and said, hey, unfortunately at the school, uh, some bikes were stolen. These kids' bikes were stolen. And uh, just a real bummer, and the family doesn't have enough money uh, to replace it. 
and it's even been rough on the little kids. They had some brothers. Um, now, because he lost his bike, they all had to walk because he couldn't leave one behind. So they, had, they were walking to school. So we said, hey, this is why we do the one-for-one one jar. This is what we want spontaneous. We're going to meet the needs of people on our street. And so we said, hey, invite the family. And so, of course, the little kid didn't know. And it, one of my favorite parts of the service, uh, or the, any service we've ever done, he's standing up here, and he's in front of all these people he doesn't know, and they don't come here to this church, this little guy. We just heard about it through school. I was like, hey, buddy, um, hey, you, you know, we heard, everybody here, we all heard that you, you got your bike stolen this week. And he's like, yeah? Like, <laughs> why are you telling everybody, you know? Like, and then it was his grandma who bought it for him for his birthday. I was like, yeah, dude, that's rough. And we heard like your grandma bought you that bike too. It was like your birthday present. This kid was like, really? Seriously? You brought me up here to like, and so, and I said, well, hey, we think that's horrible and uh, you should never, you know, have that happen. And so this, we wheeled down this bike with balloons. It's what we say. It's loving others towards God. And it's not always through like a sermon or a song or a thing. Sometimes it's a bike with balloons. But the ministry that we were able to do to that family, and then that story was taken and shared throughout the school and other kids were inspired by it and all this kind of stuff. That is God. That's what we aim to be here. But we can't stay here. There's more for us. There's more of these stories. There's more little boys that need to not have their bike stolen, but be in a hopeless situation, that are in hopeless situations, that a church should be the first one there to say, hey, we got you. Amen? We, we can't stay here. We need to do more. Next one. This was our back-to-school bash. And again, this is just our church on display, our heart on display, just packed out with kids. We turned the whole service over to them, if you remember, in the fall, uh, just playing their music. We did their songs, their style, everything. And we just hung out with our kids because that's what it's about. Amen? Next slide. And uh, lastly here, uh, of course, Nate Marielke, who comes in and speaks and part of our board. Um, again, this is another Sunday that he was with us that we just had an attendance record. You know, and some people say, oh, I don't like that you use the word attendance record and you keep track of numbers. But you may have heard a lot of people say this. Every number matters because every number is a person and per people matter to God. And so numbers matter to God. And so we look at that stuff because we want to be a good steward of what God sent us. And so, uh, and so again, you know, just we keep growing and we keep breaking uh, attendance records and breaking through things that, um, that just great plateaus, but we can't stay here. We can't just settle down on this mountaintop. I'll get to the other picture later, but I want to just share this one story with you. Um, we find it here in uh, Scripture, New Testament. It's a story that a lot of you might be familiar with. It's found in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. And I want to just share this. It tells a story that goes like this, where Jesus, uh, he takes Peter, and he takes uh, his two brothers, James and John. So Peter, James, and John, they're going with Jesus up the mountain, and some of you may have heard this. And it says, he leads them up onto the high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I'll close with this. Here's what happens. God goes, for, Jesus goes from the twelve. He's got all these other number groups. Other times in scripture, he talks about 72. And then other times he talks about 12. And he's got all these things. But in this case, he takes three, which means really he's even left out some of the other disciples. So he's got this very personal, intimate moment with these three. 
He says, guys, come with me. Let's go up the mountain. You got to see something. So they go up to this place where they're alone. God has set them up for a moment with God. And they climbed the mountain and they used their faith and they were obedient to God and they got to the mountaintop, which you could have got your little faith badge. I followed Jesus up the mountain. I got to the place where he wanted to be alone with me because I'm so spiritual and he wanted to be alone with me. You kind of see where I'm going. So he gets up there, they get up there and it says there's this vision and they see Moses and they see Elijah and then Peter is like, wow, this is so amazing. This is so amazing that you're showing us this. And I'm so happy that I, that I walked with you and I comp- completed my faith journey and I was obedient and others didn't get to go because I'm more spiritual and I'm here, sort of exaggerating Peter. But for the case in point, his response is a lot like ours. Hey, Jesus, this is so wonderful. This is so great. I have an idea. Let's build, one translation says, a tabernacle so that we can just stay here for ourselves. I've walked with you. I'm with you. I'm with, and I, let's just stay here. So great. You showed me this and I got this revelation and I got this breakthrough and I had this thing happen. Why don't we just stay put right here? But Jesus's response is the same thing that he says to us now. He says, no, 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 Peter, we can't stay here. You have more to do. We can't just stay up on the mountaintop. You have more to do. What are the more to do's for Peter? Shortly after this, Peter is walking along uh, the gates and he sees a blind beggar. And this is where Peter says, silver and gold, I have none, but what I do have, I give to you in Jesus Christ's name, be healed, rise up and walk. He would have missed that. (laughs) What would we miss? As a church, if we just got comfortable here, like a little country club, a couple hundred people coming every Sunday, and we just start doing Bible groups and Bible studies for ourselves and all this stuff, who are the people that we are supposed to come off of this mountaintop and go to and say, hey, rise up and walk? Somebody say amen. We know that the woman who died prematurely and Peter raised from the dead would have missed her opportunity. We know Cornelius wouldn't have had anybody to tell him about Jesus. We know the multitude that gathered at Pentecost that needed to hear that the crucified Lord had rose from the dead. None of those things take place if they just became a mountaintop congregation. We cannot be a mountaintop congregation. Oh, we've had a great two years. Why don't we build something and stay here? No, let's not. Let's come down in the power and the revelation of what God showed us and let's go meet the needs of people. Let's, like Peter, proclaim the resurrected Christ. Let's take people's hands and say you don't have to stay dead in that. That habit, that hurt, that dysfunction, that pain. Rise up and walk. Be healed. It doesn't have to hold you for years like it's held you. I'm proclaiming that Jesus has been raised and we don't use all that church lingo. Hey, what's up? You're at Meyer. Wanted you to know. Rise up and walk. The proclaimed Jesus Christ has been raised. <laughs> and some people do that. But I'm being so real with you that we need to be a people that don't camp out. We stake out what's next. Somebody say amen. We love to be churches that 
We just get to our thing and we just, we get up here and, and we just, let's stay here. Let's camp here. It's so great. Sister, so-and-so I've known for so long and I've known them for so long and they're all so sweet and we're all so sweet and we should just stay here so sweet. But God has called the body of Christ to be his hands and feet. And that means work. That means go out and help the hurting, heal the broken through God in us. We can do those things. We need to be a people who stake out what God wants us to do, not camp out. My friend Kirk uh, posted on his Facebook a picture he saw, and it was so great for what we're talking about. You can go ahead and throw the battleship thing up there. It says, what kind of church do you go to? Is it a battleship or is it a cruise ship? There's a church that stakes out and prepares to push back the gates of hell. Or are we people that just like to come together and we all wear the same bathing suit and get the same rolled up towel and drink the same drinks and just cruise? We don't ever want to change. We don't ever want to look for more. We don't ever want to grow. We don't ever want a little bit of conviction in our life. We just want to be on a cruise. Somebody say amen. We don't want to give up those ways of thinking and these bad habits and, and living like the world. We, we don't want to give up any of that. We just want to cruise. I know, you, I know it's good. You guys just aren't telling me, right? You're just like, <laughs> we got to be a battleship church. The scripture promises that the gates of hell will not prevail. So why do we hold back on charging? Because the gates of hell aren't going to hurt us. They won't. We got to go into the darkness and shine the light. We can't stay here. There's people that need us. There's people, and, that, and I'm telling you, we hear this and we think, he's going to ask me to serve. He's going to ask me to give more money. I'm going to ask you to be obedient to God. Amen? You're the most alive when you're obedient to the things that God has called you to. I mean, I've been, oh, this is going great, but I wasn't alive in what God really called me to do, so I wasn't alive. Be, be a people who find what God has for you and walk in it and be obedient because you're not called to stay where you are. Amen? So that's why two services this whole month, we're gonna talk about what it looks like to go to two services and what it looks like. We're doing another mass mailer. Not just 52,000 homes. We're going to get up to about 70,000 homes. And we're going to pray over those things. And we're going to fast over those things. And we're going to believe that friends and neighbors and coworkers and people that have been hurt and stuck, maybe even hurt by churches, are going to get that and go, it's time. I can't stay here. I have to go. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? All right, here's what I want to do. I'll pray us out of here about this idea, but with every head bowed and every eye closed, before we pray out of here, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here and you say, man, I've been stuck in a place that I need to get out of. Maybe for you, it's maybe even a place of sin or a place where you're just like, man, I need to get right with God. I need to get on a path towards what he has for me. The great news is we can do that today. God has given us the prayer of salvation. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. But it's basically this, it's in your heart acknowledging that, hey, I've messed up and I need forgiveness of my sins and I need a savior. Amen. So you acknowledge him as Lord of your life. The scripture says you're then on your way to heaven. When you ask forgiveness of your sins and you repent and make Jesus Lord of your life, scripture says that he throws your sins from him. 
Uh, and so today, if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come forward between me, you, and God. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on three. If you say, hey, count me in that prayer. I would like to make Jesus Lord of my life. With nobody looking around, again, not going to embarrass you or try to get you in a class or anything like that. That's just you, me, and God. I'm standing with you. And you're here, you say, count me in that prayer. I want to be a part of that. When I count to three, just put your hand up and we'll all pray out loud together. You won't be singled out at all, but God will see your heart. So if that's you, when I count to three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. You're in here, right on. Who else? Anybody else? Don't miss your chance. Somebody say, yeah, count me in on that. I can't stay where I'm at. All right, anybody else? Yeah, I need to go forward in what God has. Cool. All right, those of you that raised your hand, it's this simple. You're going to just repeat after me. It's simple, but it's literally the most profound thing you can do. You're changing your eternity. You're going from hell and sin and judgment to forgiveness and eternity with God. So meet it in your heart when you pray this. Let's all say this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.